Welcome to Surf Stories, the podcast brought to you by the Florida Surf Film Festival and Surfing's Evolution and Preservation Foundation. Yeah, we're here. Uh, I'm your host, John Brooks. With me is co-host Kevin Miller, as always. What a weekend we mm. had this last weekend. Yeah, what a week. I just feel like we could really drop the mic after this one <laughs> and be done, but I don't want to. Yeah, Let's no. keep it going. Yeah, good stuff. A Look. week, A week with Taylor Steele. Uh, filmmaking residency at ACA and then right into the weekend, uh, a, a one night tribute essentially to Taylor and his work, um, with an extended Q and a and yeah. a special guest. Yeah. Yeah. No, NBD. Yeah. No big deal. Just Initials are K S 11 time world champ, you know? <laughs> oh my God. Hanging out. Yeah. It was good to see him. Uh, yeah. And, and, and another special guest. Well, NBD. Yeah. yeah. David Carson. David Carson. <laughs> I mean, the list was uh, something I wouldn't believe if you told me 10 years ago that we would have David Carson, the famous graphic designer uh, and uh, hardworking graphic designer. The most who, famous who graphic a, designer. Who made a custom thank you uh, recognition gift for Tom Macaluso, who has been with us now for 10 years and done amazing work for us. We wouldn't be the same festival nah. if we didn't have Tom. No, it would be would be lame. Uh, <laughs> who who would be doing that graphic design, and how much would they be charging? Probably you and I. I know, and it would be like fourth grade artwork. It would it would not it would not be pretty. But Tom just did the opposite. Yeah, and he put us on the on you know in the eyes of somebody like David Carson, who said in the Q and A or in the award presentation that about ten years ago he had started to notice us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that he, that Tom had delivered a, uh, a high end graphic design that said, all right, now festival guys, you need to deliver a high end <laughs> festival. Exactly. And we tried and, and, uh, thankfully I think so far we're, we're doing okay. It was a lot of fun. Great weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. And, uh, st- uh stoked for Tommy and, uh, he, he's been our creative director since day one and yeah, he's, he's made the image uh what what the outward facing people see um he's made that really excellent i didn't get a chance to get on the mic and you guys had kind of covered everything i felt like the audience had had it at that point but there was a few there were a few things i wanted to add one one of which was that i knew full well that tom is a cantankerous uh moody uh (laughs) let's say uh you know stubborn creative director because I would sit in his office for 10 years, 12 years. I don't know how long I've known Tom, but for for as long as I've known him, I go to his office and listen to him talk about other uh, picky (laughs) clients. Like, who the, does he think, (laughs) given me, I don't, why, I mean, if you wanted me to do it, why, why did he ask me to do it? And then not, you know, this kind of thing. But he would just go off on like, you know, so I knew that I was getting into business with that guy, nice voluntarily, and that I wasn't going to pay him. Yeah, and 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 so if I had any feedback, which I never did, like whenever <laughs> that was his thing, he was yeah. like, um, "I'll do it for free, but you have zero input." <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so we're gonna have a nice best deal we ever made. Totally, and we're gonna have him on the podcast at some point. I think so. We'll, uh, we'll get the full story. Tom Macaluso, thank you, and uh, congratulations on your special recognition from the one and the only David Carson, who hoped to have him back at the festival. Yeah, yeah November. We, we might get creative with something there, hopefully. Yeah, we might. 
But uh, yeah, thank thank you again to Tom for making uh, Kevin and I's uh, I think our vision a reality, right? And make making our dreams come true. Uh, he he compliments the the process well, as does Stephanie Stollard, our our operations person, and absolutely uh, couldn't have done this last week without her. All the uh, the uh, people, the early mid career artists who joined Taylor for that residency, uh, all seemed super happy about how things went. The, for the week and you know develop new friendships inside the Florida and outside of Florida going all the way to Tel Aviv with Yair Eldar and, yeah. and Michelle Kim in New York who does all the her work for uh, David Lee and Jazz uh, yep. for their visuals um, but yeah I think uh, all in all Darius Legs visit was amazing with Stoker Machine which is unbelievable hands down so far my favorite short in a while I, I mean think Chad it, I, I think it's the best short we've ever shown yeah. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. The wrap up here is that if you haven't done so yet, go to DariusLeg.com. That's D-A-R-I-E-U-S-L-E-G-G.com. Send him a note as to what gets you stoked and he will send you a copy of the short film. Yeah. And I think it'll be on uh, YouTube soon enough, but that is your quickest way to get a copy of that movie. And, uh, yeah, he was in Fifth Symphony Document that Chad Campbell directed back in the day, one of our favorite movies, and we've actually had Chad on the podcast. I think he was, like, fourth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're uh, we're getting there to our podcast subject. Sorry about the wrap-up here, but... No, it's all good. And speaking of, like like I said, Tommy made our dreams come true, and uh, our guest today's probably made more dreams come true for people than maybe anybody in surfing. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, the... Uh, I think the customer base for Sean Murphy has been California mostly and, uh, largely I bet. I know that Florida is, you know, historically back in the eighties and the nineties was handled by Tom Hall or Todd Holland's mom over at uh, surf travel company. Yep. Um, and the way the internet has been going is a lot of people have been doing some of the, the travel booking themselves. However, they do not have exclusive agreements with high-end surf resorts that are reasonably priced and uh, well within reach for any, whether it be California or East Coast surfer. Uh, Sean knows how and where to put you for your specific skill set, your family setup, and your your buddy's setup. And uh, if you don't want to be handling collecting deposits like we always tried to do back in the day, He's got all of that handled for you. It's amazing what he's done at Waterways Travel. Um, they've been a sponsor of our festival and given us uh, deals on um, uh, to help us uh, get to some amazing places like Kandui Villas. We've been to five times. John's actually a surf guide and medic there from time to time. And, uh, I mean, we've developed memories that we'll never forget. Thanks to Sean and his... Uh, amazing repertoire of like staff and and obviously uh you know the fact that uh he's been to these places himself and vetted them yeah that's that's what i think so cool is that he's a he's a legit hardcore surfer um he's not a guy that that saw an opportunity to make a buck on you know from surfers he's a surfer himself and um most of the places vast majority of the places that he books trips to He's been there himself. He's seen the setup. He's ridden the waves. He's stayed in the places. And, um, yeah, it's, it's he's a, a wealth of information. He's like that guy, you know, that's been everywhere that can be like, here's here's how you do it. You go here, here, you do this, go, you know. 
I know. Yeah. Amazing. I, we, we talk a lot about a, a bit about all of this in the podcast, so why don't we just play? Yeah. Hit, hit yeah, play. let's roll it in. Thanks for joining us, Sean, and uh, enjoy our chat with Sean Murphy from Waterways Travel. So I drink. just got back in this morning from a two-night fishing trip out of San Diego, so I got showered in decent just in time. Fancy. I love it. John likes that we're, you and I are both accountants. <laughs> He's you like, know what? It's a good foundation. Right? Well, hang I, on. I just Sorry, like that. I just like that. I just like that there's there's a model out there that will uh, directly show how good Kevin's life could have been. Uh, <laughs> You know what I think? I think it shows that surfers have infiltrated every walk of life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at all of the people who get old and surf. They look 20 years younger. And so, uh, you know, you, you can walk into any kind of business or something somewhere, see a guy in bands and be like, yep, he's look at him. He's a surfer. Isn't it funny how we've grown older and the surfing community has kind of grown older with us? Yeah. When yeah. I was young, guys who were 60 were not surfing. No. I mean, very few numbers. This is true, man. I agree. And now guys in their 60s are my friends who I've been on surf trips with. And it's like even some 70s, you know. Well, on your last comment, this has just brought up a funny memory. You mentioned how you could see guys in vans and know they're surfers. We were in the market uh, grocery store just recently, my wife and I. And it was a guy that had a tan line on only his right ankle. Nice. My wife's all, look at that guy's tan line from his socks. I'm all, it's only on his right ankle. I think it's from a surfboard leash. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I I, I talked to him all, hey, just get back from a surf trip. He looked at me like, yeah, man, how'd you know? Like, it's the surfboard leash suntan. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, who's organizing your next surf trip? A little quick uh, business plug. I like it. Yeah, thank you. Hopefully they're a team at Waterways. For sure. Hey, uh, do you have a pair of headphones that has a little microphone hanging from it? You know what? I do not. Okay. And uh, I think you sound... Okay, you want me to get closer to this? Well, you sound good. It's uh, it's always better if you have a mic, but I didn't prepare you for that, and I should have, but it's it's actually not bad. So I, Okay, good. Yeah. I think it sounds fine. Okay. I've been uh, told I have a loud, booming voice, and I should be quiet all the time, so the comes over. <laughs> you have no problem. Yeah, you're all set. And, and how do we sound? Sound good. Okay. Perfect. That's our tech test. Where are you guys? Just enjoying the Florida afternoon? You, yeah, we're at my home, former home base. Uh, in 2010, I took a job here at Atlantic Center for the Arts. And oh, uh, this is kind of a big announcement, actually. Did I announce this on the podcast yet? You have not. Okay, well, I'm transitioning out of the accounting role for the first time in 12 and a half plus years. Uh, wow. in September it would have been 13, but I've got two people replacing me. They're wonderful. Um, I'd like to say two people, but they're both part-time. So it's not like, um, but yeah. So I'm surprised it only took two people to replace you. Let's be clear. <laughs> he was not doing two people's worth of work. Yeah, no, I mean, I had it down to like 15, 20 hours a week. January was a busy month, but 15, 20 hours a week, if that, um, Here sometimes less. And it was basically uh refined in a way that i was getting kind of like ready to move on i have a like a sort of like a well it's a fractional cfo business so i'll go help small businesses either set up an accounting system Mm -hmm. execute it 
day-to-day stuff uh, for the smaller folks. And then, but now that ACA has matured so far, it's ready to be handed off. And uh, I love this place. This is where we do the surf movie festival, if you did not know, but it's in the black box theater about hundred yards behind us or in the amphitheater, which is right out that window you see there. Fantastic. Yeah. So it's fun that they let me come back. Uh, obviously it's always good to leave on good terms and, uh, the, uh, transition has been really smooth, man. So, um, I'm happy to leave, leave it in their hands. Congratulations. Well, I, I've got yes. a scoop for you. I might as well start with it. And this is a surf story scoop because it has not been announced anywhere else. All right. And in, Stage of my life in 2000, end of 2018, I actually sold waterways. Whoa. I didn't yeah. really know that. Yeah. And you guys are the first to hear it because it was an NDA for a long time. And then I just decided we'd keep it quiet because it wasn't something we really needed to, to announce in mainstream surf media. Right. Because I didn't want um, our clientele to feel any way that nervous about the future of the company. Right. But uh, it went, the whole transition has gone really well, and I'm still retained as president and enjoying that and have scaled my hours back quite a bit. Awesome. And I was very happy with the way that all went. Hey, that's great, man. Congratulations to you. Yeah. Thank you very much. What year? I've got other irons in the fire, too, that taken up a lot of my time. Oh, wow. Okay. So we can get into those at some point if you're willing. And, yeah. So what's, uh, what year did you, well, let's, let's go back a little bit because Sean Murphy, uh, we're going to do first of all, a little intro and outro before we bleed you into the audio feed here. Okay. Uh, so we'll do a little intro outro, but it's better if we don't tell the story, but, uh, you know, uh, and you have discussed this on David Lee scales podcast. So I don't necessarily need to do a 45 minute bio, but no, I do like, um, hearing the nuts and bolts of the beginning of the story that led to waterways okay. travel. And it's, sure. it's, you know, been a big part of my life, but, uh, tell us what, uh, what started that? Well, waterways really started out of a, a desire. I think everybody has to do something they enjoy in life. And with a accounting background like yours and a family background in travel, I try to make a long story short. It just, uh, that's what it turned into when I made a business plan and, and ran with it and it was successful right from the beginning and it was a great time to start something like that because i had so much information and and stoke for surf travel in general and it was before the internet so i, I kind of quickly became one of the primary sources for for surf travel and um like we we're talking earlier about in, surfers infiltrating every walk of life when when i started out my my father really didn't think that there was a a going concern to be had off of making money off of surfers. Yeah. But, uh, so I, I included diving and fishing at that time because divers and fishermen are thought about, you know, being a more lucrative, it's higher dollar spent on their tra- travel needs, but the surfers rose to the occasion. And I just focused on that after, I think it was about two years. I got rid of the diving and the surf and the fishing side of things. I just focused on the surfing and never looked back. And, Every year, every year except for the COVID years were really good years. Oh yeah, that's great. I now can imagine. Come back with the vengeance after COVID is great. Everybody wants to get out. Yeah, I can imagine. And you know the uh, the story you just told makes it sound kind of easy uh, in a way, but it was nowhere near that. So, what were the oh. key factors in making sure you actually created margin 
number one, so that you could actually make money a little bit and put people on waves that are mind-blowingly good? Well, I think like we just kind of were joking about earlier, I think the, the foundation in accounting and business really has one focus on if you're starting a business, you need to do all the numbers first. You know, I've had so many people approach me with business plans for surf properties, literally on a, a napkin or one piece of paper right. about how this is what they're going to do. And this is what it's, what it's going to take and how it's going to make great, great amounts of money because they're just not really thought out. Um, I think the experience I had working in the accounting field within travel also really helped out. And especially in the early days, a big one for for waterways was our connections to the airline industry. And again, because of my history in the travel industry, I had connections. So I was able to put land and air packages together, which I mean, most of the listeners might not remember, but there was a long time pre-internet where you had to go to a travel agent to get airfares. Yeah. And that being able to package that land and air component with um, a land component of something that I had researched and, and developed firsthand in traveling to these destinations was really valuable. Well, and I it think was, it was also not only was able to put together the nuts and bolts of it, but the passion for it, which I still have, was was just intoxicating to me. I, I feel that came across a lot of people that we're working with. Oh yeah. The, well, and you know this all too well as sort of a tangential topic here, but how many guys just call you on the phone and 25 minutes later, you're like, you haven't really booked a trip. They just, they're basically in wanderlust mode. They've talked to you about four or five different family spots or uh, solo guy trips or something mm-hmm. that they really want to do. And you, you, you've been this outlet over Well, what year did you start? Uh, 1994. There's in 19, since 1994, you've gotten calls, phone call after phone call of guys just dreaming, you know, not really yeah. putting, uh, money or writing a check or pen to paper. And they're excited about it. They're excited about it. So you had the patience to like deal with all these guys, including myself who, you know, see an ad come across the email and I'm like, Oh my God, I got to call Sean. I got to get something on the books. And then 25 minutes later, we haven't booked anything. Uh, I mean, how many guys do that per day? You, you got to filter. You know at what? Some, point. some people call it up and book, book a trip in five minutes and other guys. I was actually just before I got on with you, um, on with somebody that has been going back and forth for, for probably, I don't know, four or five months. Right. Wow. And that's what I'm talking about. I never about. feel, or maybe I shouldn't say never, but seldom have I ever felt impatient with anybody making that decision because, again, they're excited about it. They're doing the research, and they're uncertain. And in the end, I, when it comes down to it, I, I tell people I, I can't make this decision for you. Sometimes they want me to, and I'm like, I'll give you all the information. I'll give you my pros and cons, but in the end, you really need to make that decision. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I've never felt once on the phone with you ever like uh, you're trying to get off the phone with me or, or not, not wanting to talk about a trip. Or, and, and I know you knew that I wasn't necessarily ready to pull the trigger on something. And it was like, I don't know. So I find that that stoke is infectious, and that's why word gets around uh, that when you do call Waterways and you want to talk to Sean, you can. 
I mean, yeah, it, but yeah, you can talk to. This day, I love talking to people, and I think it's kind of a company ethos that um, it, it was strong with me, passed down from my father, and I have um, really passed on to uh, my staff. Who I segue back actually when I sold Waterways, I sold it to the staff, so that has been a really important part of the transition, and they're trying to carry on a legacy which I kind of started the seed of, which is your most important person is the client you have and your right. past client. Far before whatever new opportunities and new business you might get, those people come first. When you're kind of trying to schedule your day on, on what you need to do, those people come first. And then beautiful work on getting your business. And Sean, I'm curious. And, and that will lead into a positive word of mouth, which is what we needed. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm curious, going back to like the, the infancy of the business, um, you had uh, a somewhat extensive travel history at that point, just mm-hmm. personal, but how uh, were there challenges and difficulties because it's pre-internet, pre-cell phone with contacting, uh, like when you wanted to add a destination into the repertoire oh, of waterways, like how, difficult. what kind of process was that? It was a really difficult process. I mean, we were, it was the age of the fax machine. Yeah. You know, and, and nowadays if people don't respond, especially if you're in the same time zone within, you know, 15 or 20 minutes, yeah. you're like, what's going on <laughs> yeah. you know, back, back then? Or it's like, God, I hope, I hope I can get like a two day, a two day turnaround on this one it would be great. <laughs> and, uh, we actually had one time a guy wanted to do business with us and we, we had to do it by post. Oh, <laughs> like, oh this isn't going to work, man. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta get a bachelor's in. Nice. Unreal. Have you so, ever? So have yeah, you... there was uh, definite communication issues and um, and cultural issues, all that kind of stuff. But I found, especially the cultural issues, I found um, kind of the exciting part. Yeah. You know, of doing the business and. Yeah. Have Have you ever sent a client to a destination that you haven't first been to in person? Um, ever is a big word and I would say yes, but it was definitely qualified with, I haven't, I haven't been to this one. Gotcha. And again, I'll bring it back to something I have going on right now. I have a, I have a, a group that we're looking for something that sounded exactly like something I'm trying to do right now and set up with my family, which is a yacht charter out of, um, uh, Labuan Bajo in Indonesia. It's a kind of up by Flores. Okay. And it's a beautiful area for, for sailing. And I know of some really good surf near there that it's kind of off season spot, but super good with a number of waves in that area. And I'm, I don't have a boat. I'm looking into boat options. And this guy called up and I'm like, you know what? This could be really good for you. <laughs> I haven't done it yet, but I can help you do it if you want to do it. And I can't do it right now because my kids are in school and I want to do it with my kids. Yeah. But so that might turn into our next destination and he might get there before we do. But, but generally to that question is no. Yeah. We, we go down and it has really led us, led to us not picking up some product and real delays in us picking up product because we just don't have the time to, to get down there. Sure. And at this point now, fast forward, um, gosh, what is it? 30 something years later. Um, do you find that 
you guys as a as a company with your staff are you guys seeking out new destinations or in in this age are new destinations seeking you out and saying hey we want to be a part of the waterways family and i'd say it's a little bit of both we get a lot of people coming to us we get more people coming to us than we do seeking out new destinations Mm. uh and the reality is for better or worse there are very few new destinations that have any type of consistency that will be worth setting up an ongoing business to because I mean, there's places around the world that get really good, you know, 10 times a year. Yeah. But you can't set up a business to to that area. Sure. And for the places that are going to be relatively consistent, you know, March through October, people have been there, you know, and it's pretty much on the radar of, of somebody, if not a lot of people. Sure. And people are starting up new businesses in a lot of these areas and they reach out to us. And oftentimes we'll already have product in that area. So we won't pick it up because we have a loyalty to businesses that we have good relationships with that we won't represent multiple products in the same area. Gotcha. Um, but on occasion, like this one out of Labo and Bajo, I think that's something we're going to develop. Okay. Uh, when are you going exactly? And can I bring my kids? <laughs> How big's the boat? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hundred foot. We you oh cool. Uh, you and me have almost landed on the same surf trip at some point in the past. But uh, your ex- yeah, your exclusivity of uh, you know, of offering a location, you know, only one of your sort of customers goes both ways, doesn't it? You, they will yeah. only allow people to book their resort through you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's part of our, uh, agreements. And in the earlier days, uh, which was great, I got some, some of our core product, we made exclusivity agreements with where we are their reservation agency. So if you want to go there, you have to go through us in other areas. We represent somebody. And we'll have the exclusive right to sell them in the U.S. market, but they will also take bookings directly, but they won't work with other travel agencies. So it's kind of a a looser exclusivity agreement. Yeah, I kind of figured that this day and age with the Internet the way it is, they, you know, you're you're handling a lot more than just the lodging booking for some of these folks. So it makes sense to work with uh, somebody who can handle a suite of uh, advice somebody who yeah and for people that get very busy yeah it's worth it to them to just get updates and look at a grid and know who's coming when and get updates on okay all these people are showing up on this date and these people have these allergies and these people have these special requests and these people are looking for this kind of surf and these people aren't and and all they have to do is focus on the operation side of things yeah exactly i feel uh uh, confident when I book through somebody like you too, it changes the dynamic of the vacation. I'm wondering, oh, what if I get in trouble? And I'm, I just know you guys got my back every time I go through you guys. So that's awesome. That feels. Well, we do have um, my often my number or whoever your bookings agent number was on every set of documents that goes out to somebody. Their personal number. So if something happens and it's four o'clock in the morning our time, you can reach. You can reach that person. So who are the new owners? Did you have, do you have a list of names? My, is Mike involved? I'm, I can't remember. Yeah, Mike is involved. Yeah. Uh, a key. It's really 
um, four people, it was five. Um, one of them had to pull out of the company and sell back their, their shares. Unfortunately, a uh, great guy, CJ, uh, Thomas is now, um, living in Colorado, but Mike can, uh, Wendy Headley, Ryan Pullman and Sarah Tatra. Amazing. Um, all have been, been with the company for, you know, more than a dozen years, at least and some for more than 20. Wow. That's great. So, so it, was, it was a great opportunity. I was looking to get out of the business a little bit, you know, as you would do something for long enough. And uh, as a small business owner, your real exit, the only exit strategies are to sell the company and move on. And I had gotten into the river cruising business in 2002. And that business has done very well. And I had some uh, companies in Australia looking interested in purchasing waterways and we got kind of down the track with some of those and these people who have been working with me are not only employees but have been friends for so long we've traveled together we've partied together we've had meals together we've been into each other's houses and i just saw such an opportunity if i could make it work for them to take over and really change their lives you know change their their lifestyles because their pay has increased substantially Great. their compensation that they're getting out of the co company now. And not only that, but their commitment to the company. I didn't even think it was possible really because they, they were so good in helping me grow the company, but their commitment is even greater what a perfect than, it, than it was beforehand. Oh, that's a great story. I mean, yeah. that's per that's the way it should happen. And, uh, you know, uh, combining forces with an Australian company is nowhere near as personal. The the resulting product may have been great, but it you know it's it's not what you're going to get from Mike and 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 the gang, right? Right, right. And you know, as I said, now they have even a greater commitment. And I don't know if the way things would have transitioned, if somebody else would have bought purchased a the company, they might have let some of the key staff go and sure. would have changed the the culture of the company, and they they might have had less commitment to the company. Right. Yeah. No, it's a, it's it's worked out really, really fantastic. I'm, I couldn't be happier the way it, with the way it's gone. Yeah, congratulations on getting through COVID yeah, too. And one of the really nice things is, is we didn't tell. We had agreed that we weren't going to tell anybody for for two years. Right. So when we did tell everybody, especially our bigger clients, we have, we'd be able to say, "Look, this all happened two years ago. You didn't even notice anything right. happened. Yeah. Right. So don't worry." But then after two years, we got into COVID. And I didn't feel comfortable coming out and making this announcements to, you know, the people like Atoll Adventures and the Maldives and Tavaro and Motu and all our, our biggest clients. I didn't feel comfortable coming out in the early stages of COVID and going, look, I sold the company. I'm, I'm out. Right. <laughs> you know, <that> <laughs> so we decided to persevere and hold on. And um, those key four who I mentioned earlier made some really tough decisions on how to manage through COVID and, and manage millions of dollars in credits. I'm, I'm pretty proud to say, I don't think there's anybody who lost money with waterways. Holy cow. Wow. Through COVID. Wow. And, um, we have now come out the other side really strong. And over the past couple of years, um, everybody's used their credits in full that there might be a couple still hanging out there that we've given extensions and extensions to but uh for the most part it's all wrapped up and moving forward just really fantastically 
That's awesome. And also too, I'm sure with your existing clientele, knowing that the folks that, that knowing that the new owner has been working there for 20 plus years has got to be reassuring for them as well. Yeah. Amazing. I don't know. Congratulations. That's really cool. Thank you. Uh, well, we do have one uh, surf story that you and I kind of have in common and I feel like uh, I should just talk about it for a second. It wasn't that big of a deal, but when I was a bored ass accountant at KPMG, I <laughs> was looking at Sean's website and the brochure, which was amazing. I love getting that brochure in the mail. And, uh, we don't produce it anymore. I know it's probably a, yeah, exactly. I, f I feel like the internet's too good to bother with it, but it was fantastic when it showed up. And, uh, uh, one of them was Indonesia and I'd always dreamed about doing it. I'm like a manager at KPMG. I'm thinking to myself, why don't I research a surf park or something like that or, or a surf resort and and maybe own a piece of it at some point too. Yeah. So Sean was the first person I called. Um, he actually picked up the phone at Waterways. I think it was the early days. I think it was 99. And uh, he said, you know, Coincidentally, I'm looking at this resort in the Mintwai Islands right now with another fella from an Australian company. His name's Paul King, who's had a checkered past and, you know, obviously not before that, but after that, unfortunately, he, I don't know where Paul's now. Actually, I had a little bit before that if I would have known better. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Well, and I won't give out too many details. I'll just say that there was an island in the Mintwais that we had our eye on and I thought it would make sense to do some due diligence, get over there, see it for myself and, uh, you know, take Sean's advice and, and go check it out. And so Sean introduced me to Paul. I flew to Indonesia. You, you bought my ticket for me and everything got me into Padang, Padang, depending on how you say it. And, uh, I'm at the hotel, the Bumi Manong. Paul picks me up. There's another guy named Dave there who had the same idea as me, about the same age, and uh, was also looking at starting a surf camp. You remember this fellow, Dave, Sean? I don't. I actually don't. It's, what, it, what, do you remember his last name? I'd, I'd show you a photograph, and you probably remember him, but I don't remember his last name. Anyway, Dave had the same idea as I did, and you're like, well, go meet Paul, and let's walk through it and see where we get. You guys had already sort of pseudo-locked down the island for lease or whatever it may be and uh i was like okay well this sounds too good to be true this is going to be amazing i'm going to own part of a resort in the mental islands this is looking good <laughs> and i met paul who at first was as charismatic as you would imagine somebody in the surf travel business with the history of having named telescopes and you know surfed all these breaks that he you know he has a story about a tsunami coming through g land that blew me away it was incredible. I think he was there with, I don't know if Boyum was there. I think he was there with, I don't know. Yeah, I remember that story. They all ended up in the trees. Yeah. Yeah, it was heavy, <laughs> too. It was like, how are you alive? Uh, anyway, we get on a speedboat. We go out to Sibirut. We crash at this old fella's little hotel. You know, it's all new to me. I'm, I don't know. I'm not even 30 years old yet, probably. Yeah. And uh, it looks so good. And, I mean, this... The, so far, the pitch is good. I get out there. I surfed A-frames uh, and rifles in one day. Rifles was like shouldered, head high, but super fun. Um, just having a ball. And 
I'm sitting on the beach at lunchtime and uh, it was, there was a barbecue going around or whatever. And I looked up from the fire, I looked out into the channel and the Indies Trader 2 was out there and the Huey was out there. And I'm looking at the guy across from me. He's got glasses on. I'm not really getting it yet. And I think Paul at one point kind of nudged me on the shoulder. I don't know if he did or not, but I, I think he's like, that's Lopez. So Jerry Lopez was standing in front of me. Derek Dorner was standing in front of me. Martin Daly. We're all having burgers. And it was like a fucking acid trip. Because <laughs> I'm seeing these guys who I've all watched on TV, but they came out of the blur because I hadn't focused on their faces at all. I was just insecure little kid over there you know felt like just kind of feeling this out and then holy shit it's really them yeah jeff hackman was standing in front of me and so we're doing this barbecue thing and i'm shitting my pants and uh finally get through the barbecue grab a board and i think victor lopez was there and he was like oh yeah a frames looks good go so dave and i go surfed or you know spent another night in Sibirut, back to the hotel breakfast with jerry and Hackney's, they were on their way back. I mean, it was really idyllic. And I got home and I started doing my due diligence and stuff like that, as you do as a CPA. And if you are an astute financial CPA person, there's no way in hell you'd ever go into owning a surf resort in Indonesia. It's just too complicated. True. It's it is, it, it, and the only way you do that is if you're Sean Murphy. <laughs> and, and you can pull it off. And you have the time and the commitment to deal with it because and the risk. anybody who's going to get into something like that and think they're going to do it passively, no never way. going to happen. Well, and the one miracle, two miracles, I mean, you've got a, an interest in, do you still have any interest in charter boats? Um, no. Okay, you're no, out of charter. But I did it, the Huey, I owned the part of the Huey at that time. Yeah, it makes sense. And you were... Nowhere near an umbrella yet, but I think it's some. I think you did own maybe Tonga, or you were working on Tonga, right? Uh, Samoa. Samoa. My bad. Yeah, yeah I Samoa. started Samoa in uh, 1997. 97. So you had already got Samoa up and running. Uh, how's George, by the way? Actually, that was not too. That would have been just about opening. I started okay. it working on it in in 97. Right on. How's George? George is doing really well. He's living in Steamboat Springs. No way. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, George used to run. He's still uh, very same. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> just walking around in a... Running around with hands up. I love it. Oh, yeah. He ended up on a on a boat trip we did to Numbrella that Sean put together for us. And uh, and George was the manager, general manager, for a long time of the Samoa Yeah, Resort. for a long time. Anyway, that's great. I'm glad to hear he's doing well. Until he, went, until he lost his mind like anybody who works in the <laughs> tropics and lives in the tropics full time. Eventually, they lose their mind. Oh yeah, uh, I could totally see that. Anyway, I, I mean, I had plans on moving my family out and running that surf camp right on site, you know. And uh, I'm pretty sure, if uh, it's if probably I, a good thing that didn't happen. I still got divorced, <laughs> but yeah, it, it would. You know, one of the early stories I remember when we first were t- were talking is when you did a uh, you did a yacht charter with a group of guys. Yeah, two thousand three. Uh, what Freedom Three? Two thousand three. We were with Gary on the. Not the Triton, but oh, the the Mahalo, the Mahalo. Yeah, Mahalo so, too. Yeah, that's what the charter was. That's right. And you had the whole charter, and the charter took ten, I believe it was at that point. You had like eight or nine guys, right? And you're trying to fill that last space, and you're having problems filling that space. And I had a couple guys that I'm like, 
I got guys who are like, no, I, I don't want to have anybody on the boat that I don't know. And I think at the end, you had to go with like a friend of a friend. And then I saw you at the airport driving home. And you're like, oh my God. It's like, I should have been so concerned. So I remember talking to you about, you know, yeah. you're so concerned about people you don't know. Right. You're great people when you're traveling and surfing. It's oftentimes the best part of the trip is meeting somebody you don't know. And like, what if he's a wacko? And then you're like, <laughs> oh my God, the guy was like really difficult. I forget why he was difficult. And you're like, I should have just let you put somebody else on the trip. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes, that. that's how it works, isn't it? I mean, I have a credit on a Maldives charter uh, that I'm, I'm originally supposed to go with these four guys. And Kevin, if you're listening to this, no offense, but I, at this point, I just want to go by myself. <laughs> so like, I'm just like, put, put me on a boat with nine complete strangers, seven complete strangers. I don't care. I'm going to have a ball. And, uh, yeah. th- that's exactly how it is. Very, very rarely do you run into somebody at a surf camp who's all jammed up about something yeah i do a trip on a trader three almost every year yeah and it's usually about five or six guys from our crew of 20 that jump on board and there's always you know three or four or five new guys that i've just meet because they're calling waterways they seem nice and they're looking to go somewhere like hey you should come along with us oh absolutely always it's been a, a benefit to the trip yeah, you know, certain groups of people have better or worse reputations. And, you know, if you end up with a group of people that don't necessarily have a good reputation, you're still best friends by the end of the damn thing. And, you yeah. you know, you've got uh, five new friends. Experiences bring people together. Yeah, man, I agree. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So that was fun. That was a good experience. I obviously uh, got uh, to the point where I was like, uh, this isn't going to work. I'm just going to go enjoy it. And uh, you uh, ended, ended up setting up a surf camp in Nimbrella, which would be the island of Roti uh, mm-hmm. off the the coast of West Timor, which is a dreamy place, man. Good idea. I, yeah, it's I, how, really well. We're finally having a good year down there, too. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask, how's that going? It's going really well, but Indonesia was one of those countries that stayed locked down longer than most. Right. 
So it was a three-year period with no business, which, as you can imagine, was very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose keeping it open and, and all the locals fed. And, and You uh, want to keep your staff, you know, that have been with you for a long time. You want to keep them paid. And and we wanted to be ready for when it did reopen. And I don't know, people who look back at it like it was just a, all a blur. But one of the things I remember most about the travel side of COVID was everybody always thought things were going to be better in three months. That's true. Like, isn't oh, it? three more months, we'll be able to go. In three more months, we'll be able to go. So we just kept taking bookings that had to keep getting pushed out. And I wanted Nimbrala to be ready. So in three months, when things opened up, people would be able to go. So you're and wiring money. Months turned into nine months. It turned into 36 months. It really, in the blink of an eye, it seemed like. Yeah, They, they got the three right. It was just three years instead of three months. Yeah, it was just three years. <laughs> no shit. Oh, uh, what a dreamy place. Uh, and, and that left there. Uh, obviously lots of waves in that area, but that left. Yeah, yeah, Nimbrala left, it's my favorite wave, favorite wave in the world. So good. I would say it makes your, like, average good surfer feel like a superstar because it's just so it's user-friendly and quality all at the same time. Mm. It really is. Like, even when it's big, you, you, you can sit so far up the point and catch the ones that are really going to wrap. They're even yeah. a little smaller at the takeoff, and they grow. They get, like, mm -hmm. two or three feet bigger around the corner. And you can just see those sections coming up. Like it's not, it's not a hollow wave, but it does have a couple barrel sections on decent days. And you could just see those sections coming up so far in advance. Yeah, especially as you get close to the channel. Oh my God. As opposed to drop air dropping into them. That's right. <laughs> yeah, they were rolling specials, man. One of the best places I've ever surfed, without a doubt. Yeah. No, I still look forward to doing that trip. I mean, I haven't been getting down there every year, and now that I have a, a family, it's harder to travel without the family. Sure, it so, is. And I haven't brought my children there yet, because it's just far. Yeah, no question. We had a great but time I, there. I think um, this summer, maybe, end of summer might be that we might do it. All right, let's dive in, right, John? Let's, let's talk about surf stories, horror stories, or scoring stories or how you met your wife or who's your biggest inspiration best board what do you got for us um i'd say i'll tell you what i think was my biggest uh stressful horror story yeah i like those and i hope it's appropriate i think it is <laughs> so i started uh I wait started does it involve waterway. uh yeah sorry go ahead never mind <laughs> i started waterway i mean solani and saboa in 1997 and it was definitely a labor of love if we I should have written a book about it i mean i had some small partners and it was like build it and they will come kind of story and the partners i had in samoa realized before i did that we weren't gonna have enough money to finish the place so instead of um finishing the groundwork because we had to bring it was a, a wetland area so instead of finishing the groundwork they just started decided to start building oh, so no. they built on ground which was not ready to be built on yet <laughs> and i was here and i was hearing about it, getting updates and i had um a trust account down there that i was releasing funds from to get all this you know going and moving forward and i think it was like two months before we were supposed to be taking our our first bookings like, okay, I got to go back down there. I mean, we're not taking our first bookings, opening before we, open, we already had bookings. 
I said, okay, I'm gonna, we're going to go down there and I'm going to see how it's, how it's going. I get down there and it's just not anywhere near ready. <laughs> I'm like, oh. oh no, what are we going to do? And I had bookings already. And at high tide, we had like overwater bungalows from the river. Like, oh, like, oh my God. We had to walk through ankle deep water to get to the restaurant. Like, oh no. <laughs> and, you know, I was young and I had invested a a lot of money into this thing and i was i felt like crying i was like what am i gonna do it's like fire festival yeah so <laughs> my dad flew down and looked at it and he's like yeah you're really pretty screwed <laughs> you're pretty screwed here. <laughs> that's not and what you want to hear from your dad yeah, he's like if you still think it's possible that if it had taken on your vision that it would be a good operation you should do it you should finish it and so we took our clients. Luckily, the, all the people we had booked originally were super cool. They dealt with the situation. We had boats. They got surfed. They got fed. They kind of laughed it off and had a super cultural experience because down there, you're, we're partners with Solani Village. I mean, really. I mean, they're separate entities. They're not real, like, on paper partners. But we could not exist without them and without their blessing. So everything we do kind of as far as who we're hiring and the fact that we can't surf on Sundays, even to this day, all that stuff, it's a real close tie to the village. So I run our passengers, we um, regroup, we tear down the bungalows the way we built, I mean, completely tear them down, do the land stuff and I have a, a proper, you know, specialist come in and go, this is what you need to do. You need to put a rock abutment around it with a one-way, um, cloth that allow water to go out but not come in to keep the land dry you need to bring it up to this level they did studies on the river because it's on a river bank about 100 yards 75 yards up from a river mouth okay on the on the 100 year flood and everything and we did all the work and built new bungalows which were much nicer than the ones we had built originally and um we got things going and our i was going down regularly like every two or three months i'd be down there i'd be sitting with the village uh which is uh, the talking chief of, of the village and he and i developed a great relationship his daughter her daughter his daughter actually named one of her children after me wow and wow. everything was going really well and i got um management set up and this is actually when george was here but george was taking a hiatus we had somebody else in the resort managing at the time. And we had a passenger come down and it was one of these guys that traveled through Asia a lot. He was an Australian guy. And late in the evening, he approached one of our security guards and he gave him money to get him a girl from the village. Oh, like a no. prostitute. And that just doesn't happen down there. It oh doesn't fly, God. right? I'm I'm in a movie theater in Santa Monica and my phone rings and I'm like, oh, this is weird. I look at it, I turn it off, I look at it, oh, it's a Samoa number. So I get up, I walk out to the theater, and it's the manager like I'm freaking out because the resort the village has come down and said the resort can't operate anymore. And they're telling all the staff they can't come to work anymore. Oh no. <laughs> I'm like Oh no. So I had to basically jump on the next flight out. I mean, they blocked the road down and just said, we thought 
the resort was going to be an area we could share our culture, you know, and have it be a positive experience and the resort would be a positive experience through employment and, and everything for our village. But we now realize it is not going to be a positive influence on our village. And we decide we don't want you here anymore. <laughs> oh my God. So I had to fly down there and sit in hours of meetings with village chiefs and eating local foods and, apologizing over and over and expressing how it was completely unacceptable and we're going to actually bring in measures to let everybody know that in advance before they come in that this is unacceptable right and uh we were able luckily in samoa you can do almost anything and if you apologize in a public forum it's customary they just your apologies are accepted yeah, and yeah. The, the apology was accepted and they let all the employees come back to work. But that was a, uh, a really stressful time period. I can imagine. Yeah. Your exactly. business. Yeah. Um, who was it? Um, what was his name? Um, William Finnegan who wrote barbarian days. Did yeah. You ever read that book? Yeah. Oh yeah. He wrote many accounts of his early days in Samoa. Yeah. And Very good. Samoa of all the places I've been traveling for the past 35 years even before waterways samoa has changed by far the least of any place wow it's still very much the way it was when i was first going um as far as really almost no local surfing population still villages subsistence living beautiful warm people and um the accounts in barbarian days really reminded me a lot of my early time periods down there hmm is this a Western or American Samoa? Western Samoa. Yeah. Wow. That, that people could just be, and generally are just so beautiful and nice and warm and inviting. Right. But when you cross them and you're, you're out. Well, and yeah, obviously your apology was more than authentic that, you know, the real person that should have apologized, I'm sure maybe, I don't know if he was involved with the apology or not, or if you shipped him right away. Oh, he was shipped out right away. Yeah. Figured. Gone. What happened was the the security guard got the money and didn't know what to do. He's like, oh, my God, what do I do? I don't want to let the passenger down, but there's no way I can get a girl. And he held the money and spoke to all the other employees. Oh, boy. Like, what should I do before <laughs> even going to the manager? Right. So it was like it wasn't until the next morning that the manager found out what was going on. And by that time, word had already spread through the whole village. Oh, wow. Revolt. Okay. Yeah. So the first thing the manager did was get the guy. It's like, you're gone. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, that is a hairy story. You had any other uh, travel stories where you were on a boat scoring perfect ways to offset that or? Um, yeah, I do. Actually, I was on one of the first um, trips into the outer atoll Maldives okay. before yeah. anybody was running actual scheduled trips down there. Like Southern? I, I was able to get on the boat with Tony Hussein. Oof. Who was, you know, the guy who discovered all the surf in the Maldives. Right. And he became a great friend over the years. And inspirational individual um, in his approach to life. Just great guy. So I flew down there with a group of eight. Uh, only having really met Tony a few times at this point. I think it was in 1998. Wow. 1999. And uh, I got a group of eight guys together. I'm like, okay, we're going to pioneer this trip with like 
the guy who knows all the surf and knows all about the, the Maldives, and he's going to take us to some of his secret spots in the Outer Atoll Maldives. We fly in. Um, we get to the airport. We have to fly to, to the Outer Atolls. So we fly down to the Outer Atolls, and we flew into an atoll called Adu, which is like the very furthest south. But the surf, the island with that has all the surf on it was 60 miles to the north. So we arrive there in this little airplane in Addo Atoll, and we get transferred in a tractor, literally a tractor <laughs> pulling a trailer. We all get in it with our surfboards, eight guys all with our, you know, dragging a black fly sunglasses and everything. All the locals <laughs> looking at us like, who in the world are these people? <laughs> So we take the tractor to this little harbor, and it was a boat. And I don't know if you know what the Maldivian donies look like. They're really exotic looking. They have the bow spit comes up like this, and some of them are really quite big, and some of them are small, but they all have very much that same design. Yeah. And we go down to like a 30-foot donie that has a shade tarp on the top of it, and it's got these coolers on the back of it and a bench seat in the back and all these bottles of water. And Tony gets us all on the boat, and we're on the boat. We're looking around, and we're like, this boat's kind of small. <laughs> and it's just like <laughs> an open platform deck, and there's like a camping stove in the back. Oh, my God. Some fishing gear and some nets and bottled water. And Tony's like, well, all right, make yourself comfortable, whatever, guys, so you can just pick out a spot. Just like make your sleeping area. <laughs> like, Whoa, okay, so we're going to be on here for two weeks. And like, we're like, okay. So we all start making our spaces. And then Tony's sense of humor was just great. We get on and we start leaving the harbor. We're all, okay, here we go on our adventure. Tony looks at us all and goes, do you think this is the boat we're going to be on for the next two weeks? We're like, yeah. Like, oh, my God. I could have saved so much money. Like a 90-foot liveaboard that had um, five cabins on it. Each of them bathrooms. Nice. We pull up to the we pull up to that boat, which was anchored further out. Yeah. They're like, okay, this is fantastic. So we all get on that boat and we proceed to have definitely one of the top five, you know, surf travel experiences I had. We surfed all the best waves and we scored surf the whole time. Wow. But um what really made the trip exceptionally memorable was we were the atolls have little islands on the atolls, and the little, they're called motus. And the motus will oftentimes have a little lagoon. And we were anchoring inside the lagoon of one of the little motus. They had like a keyhole that we we're going through in this big boat to get into this pristinely flat, beautiful water. We had two little boats to surf all the different ways, and we're eating oh lobsters, we're buying off locals, and I mean, just I have photos from that trip that I still look at. They're all taken on slides. I mean, people didn't have digital photography back then. Hmm. And one day we were coming back in in the evening because we would take the big boat out. We'd anchor in the passes and yeah. then we'd come back into this beautiful little lagoon by the Motu and the boat hit the, the reef coming in, coming in through that little keyhole and broke the arm for the rudder for steering. Oh, so oh we God. lost the ability to steer the boat. And it was like two or three days before the end of the trip. Like, okay, this is going to be a real problem now because we have to get back to Adu Atoll, which is 60 miles away. Right. right? And we had this big 90-foot Dhoni that we were supposed to be taking back there. 
and to do a night crossing on our last day. And Tony's trying to see if he can get a part flown down and get it down. He's like, we can't get it. We can't get it down here in time. So you guys are going to all miss your flight out of Adu back up to Mali. So you're all good. You guys are all going to miss your flights home. And we were, you know, wearing it pretty well, but nobody really wanted that as to be the scenario. We all like, there's got to be a way we can get home. Yeah. So Do- Tony goes to a local fishing village and finds a small fishing dony that was probably maybe 26 feet and had an engine on the back, a small engine, um, like one of those, not an outboard, like a straight shaft. Yeah. One of these kind of things. And it had a traditional Maldivian sail on it, which didn't look like it had been used in a long time. They just had their thing. And Tony's like, okay, well, here's the thing. We can all get all our stuff on this boat and we can make this crossing to add it. We're like, oh my God, this thing is small and it's really hot out. It's going to be a long crossing and there's got, it's got no navigational equipment or anything on it. But Tony assures us that the Maldivian fisherman knows the way to get to add it. <laughs> and we, we're going to go at night because he can navigate by the stars. So we're like, okay, well, we'll trust you. We all get on this boat and it was supposed to be like, you know, 60 miles. It was going to be 10 hours. We just, we do it at night. Oof. We all line on this boat going through the night. Luckily we had really nice conditions. And I think we left at like, like five in the evening. Right? I think we'd be there, you know, before first light. Yeah. At like nine o'clock in the morning, there's no sign of land. <laughs> I never forget my friend Andy sits up off the deck and he's got this like thick fish scum on the side of his face. <laughs> Where are we? Tony's got a worried look on his face. He's like, I'm not sure. He's talking <laughs> to the Maldivian and Maldivian language. We don't know what's going on. And he's obviously clearly really worried as well. And luckily, Tony had with him. One of those little, I don't know if you remember, it was like little handheld Garmin GPSs are yellow. Yeah. 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 And he busts it out in the morning. He's like, oh, we're like 50 miles off course. Oh, <laughs> oh no. no. God. Yeah. So we reroute to the to Adu, which is a pretty small asshole. And it was like another five or or more. It's like eight hours of through the heat of the day. Oh, and we're all hiding under our towels and we get to the atoll and then we have to like circumnavigate the atoll to find the pass to get in <laughs> and we made it just in time to get our flight out we all made it home wow unbelievable okay yeah that was a, a really memorable experience to say the least yeah what Gosh, an I, might, I might have just stayed surfing Oh, I know so, you. Yeah, I missed my flight. Of course you would have. Are you kidding me? Darn. Yeah. <laughs> I, know you too now, well. I don't know really if that was an option. We never really even thought about that, that being an option. Yeah. I mean, after seven or eight days of scoring perfect waves, there's... Really, oh, yeah. We were it was we were already been there for two weeks. Yeah. You would have been toast. I mean... Yeah. We are ready. Okay. Yeah. I mean, even... Nowadays, if lives. I get five or six days of good surf in a row... Happy. I need a break. I know. But back then, I was... You know, I was 31 or something like that. 
Yeah. No, four four or five days is kind of my Yeah, bring it on. Yeah. What a wonderful story. That's good to hear. Somebody's out there scoring. Um, and that, those relationships that I built with Tony still stand today with nice. his children. You know, Tony passed away. Okay. And um, his, uh, his son, Ashley, is running the business down there. Great guy. And um, I've got huge respect for him. And we've spent some time together. And I've done charters now with, with Ashley. And he's running Apple Adventures. And we've never signed a piece of paper with talking about any kind of exclusivity. But it still stands today as one of our core pieces of product. Wow. Unreal. Do you know a guy named Louis Harris? It rings a bell, but I don't know why. Okay, Liquid Destinations is who we booked with pre-COVID. Oh, okay. And it was February. I think I wired the final money on February 20th, 2020. Like somewhere in there. Right before it hit the fan. Oh, fuck, man. It was a, it was a bitter pill to swallow, man. But Because I thought, you know, we were going to be the only ones there, you know, I'm, I'm like, we're going, the, the, they haven't shut down the skies. They haven't right. shut down the airlines. I mean, who's going to shut down the borders, right? Like that's never going to happen. Hmm. And, uh, I thought it would be like 2003 when we went to, uh, Indonesia during right in the middle of SARS, which is right. Actually when we went, I thought exact same situation was going to play out. I'm yeah, going to be in the I, water. I was thinking in the early stages, that's how it was going to be too. Yeah. Yeah, I was optimistic, and uh, yeah, I still haven't gone yet. So, I don't know. I'm thinking about October. He's sort of thrown out an October date, but that season is not necessarily the best for the central atolls. I don't know. What do you think? Um, Dicey, swell forecast-wise? It could be good. You know, when in October? 20, Early? like, it's in the 20s. Like, I think the 15th. Through later th- October, yeah, it could be getting pretty hit and miss. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It might Maybe be this. More, a little bit more swell for the central atolls, but boy, amazing area. Okay. I hope you score that wave down there. Machines is incredible. So good. Well, and you know, it's a boat, so we can get yeah, to where we need around. to go if we have to. So, yeah, I'm looking to to get out there with Louie, and he's been patient with us. We've been patient with him and just trying to make it happen. So, good. yeah, man, everything else good? Yeah, I was on, uh, on Tavarua in March of 2020. Whoa. And everyone said, like, oh, maybe we shouldn't go. I'm like, no, let's go. We all went down there and we were there for two weeks, my whole my family and a couple other families. And we were just watching the world melt down. Like, oh my God, what is so going on? Real. All the everyone buying all the toilet paper and all the water out of Costco. We decided not to come home because the groups after us on Tavaro had canceled. So there's all this space. Like, great, let's just stay and ride it out here for a while. And uh, we extended our stay, and then it became clear that if we didn't leave, we weren't going to be able to get out. And we were on the last flight, a uh, commercial passenger flight that left Fiji. And if oh. we didn't get on that flight, we would have been there for probably nine months. Wow. With Alex Gray. Yeah. And a wow. couple other people. And in hindsight, I would absolutely have stayed. <laughs> but, <laughs> You know, being with my children and young children, our biggest concern was what if this thing is, you know, a horrible pandemic like we've never even could have imagined and it got into Fiji and we didn't have those kind of medical facilities that we might need for our children. Yeah. Yeah. So I hear you, man. That's... Got on the plane and came home. Yeah, we left Whistler in uh, like on 10 hours notice, got out of town. 
I was talking to Alex. I ran into him in um, Selena Cruz. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and I was talking to him about that. Oh, was that well, when I was there with you? We were best mates. Oh, no, that wasn't. This was obviously after. Well, did I see you in Selena Cruz in 2020 in September? Was that when we bumped into September each other? 2020? No, I don't think so. It would have been before that. Okay. We ran into you with Selena Cruz. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Classic. All right, well, this has been a great episode. Everything else going well in your life? Yeah, everything's going great. You know, I've got a little bit of a late start on having children, but that is really the focus of my life right now. I'm having so much fun. I'm actually going to, uh, my daughter is giving a report on iguanas today at school at 245. Oh, no nice. way. So I'm going there. But yeah. I'm still surfing a ton and uh, fishing a ton, and I still have that passion. I, I, I tell people I feel like just the luckiest guy. People tell me, all, oh, you're so lucky that your business did so well and this, and I'm like, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Now, I'm curious. I got a question. Since you have such a wealth of experience in surf travel business um, and you've seen it like basically through its infancy to where it is today. And you talked earlier about how there's there's certain destinations that get really high quality waves, but it's on a very limited schedule and basis. Mm-hmm. It, do you think that that's a potential business opportunity basically like strike missions where you have clientele that are uh, that are going to be an intermediate to advanced surfers that maybe contact the business and say here's the window here's a deposit now a week out you tell us where we're going and what the balance is is that a vi- uh, do you think that's a viable not, business not opportunity that model i don't think there's a business for that I think the the number of clientele that would be able to do that, I think a lot of people think they'd be able to do that, but they're actually not going to be able to. When that opportunity gets presented to them, they'll be like, oh, I I can't go because of this or this or this. Gotcha. But what I do think there's an opportunity for, and I've seen it work in certain scenarios, are for places that are really remote, do have that potential for really good surf, but for one reason or another, the winds or the weather or swell, or whatever, doesn't cooperate consistently enough mm-hmm. that to do a hybrid business, you know, it's now with foiling and kiting and scuba diving and fishing for all these cross sports. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of people that are willing to roll the dice and go someplace like that and hope they score and they'll just book it in advance. And knowing if they don't, they're still just going to have a really good time. And the, the the possibility of them going and scoring with nobody else around is worth the gamble. Okay. I see that. Yeah. I like reading books. <laughs> so I'm so yeah, old that now I'm just like. places have the most incredible diving, you right. can imagine. Or they have guys, like I went on one recently and. I have not taken up foiling, but I want to, and I got an introduction to it while I was down there. I had a ton of fun. Nice. That's cool. My wife would love it if I got another hobby. Yeah. Not really. I was thinking (laughs) of taking up golf. My wife told me if I take up golf, I I have to stop. I I have to sell my boat or stop taking surf trips. (laughs) I like, I mean, that's, that's good advice. Otherwise say goodbye to your kids. You have too many passion hobbies already. You're not allowed to do golf. She's right. I mean, yeah, we John and I, between surfing and, and golfing and raising kids, 
and you working at the station and this po- this podcast and this festival it's like all the hours are taken yeah it's done that said john has been surfing really taken off from i remember when i remember when you did your first one and, yeah and doing some sponsorships on them over the years and yeah we and it's, we it's started really so this time tomorrow was Taylor Steele's movie that came out right as the New York Surf Film Festival was sort of peaking, and uh, I had gone to visit uh, a friend and, and go to that. Uh, so that's where I got the idea. I came back to Atlantic Center for the Arts, showed a movie. This guy showed up. He wanted to write an article for a local rag. We ended up starting this thing together, and uh, it's 10 years now. Congratulations. Thanks, bud. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. As you know, that us accountants got to like have a, a creative flex of the muscle from time yeah. to time. And this is as far as I a get into it. A little give back. Yeah, a little give back. I think the community. Has given us so much. Exactly. So the sport is amazing. I love it. And uh, I, I, I guess that's it. I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else for Sean? I'm good. All right, buddy. I'll, I'll be in touch. And uh, when I get out there, and if you do take up golf, Call us. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll do. Sh- we'll I don't think it's happening, but I will. And um, if you do end up going on that trip, or when you end up going on that trip to to the Central Atolls, give me a buzz. Let me know how it goes, or get, let's chat before you go, and I'll give you some of my experiences in there. Oh, you know I will. Thanks a lot, Sean. We appreciate right. your time today. Yeah. Thanks for joining Take us. Take care, bud. Uh, so good to have a chat with Sean, and um, yeah, what a cool American I know. story about building a business, making it successful, and then being able to sell it back to the people that made it successful. Right. It's, That's so cool. Yeah, it's really nice to hear that that transition is smooth and trouble-free with all the people who've been to those destinations as well as Sean. They just know it. Yeah. They can put you in the waves. And then little little uh, local connection, our uh, our boy Matt Glenn is uh, leaving, I think, in a few weeks, and he's going out to Solani, and he's going to work as a boatman and a surf guide at Solani Surf Resort. Oh, there you go. Love so, it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He got... he uh, Not a bad gig. He got that lime green uh, Campbell Brothers bonzer off me to take out there. Absolutely. So, yeah. There you go. That'll be a fun one at that right. So pitted. Oh yeah, that is definitely in the barrel board kind of thing. Uh, all right. Well, I feel like Sean has been uh, at the root of a lot of my wanderlust over the years, and it this was a nice capper. Absolutely. To that. And I want to just thank him for taking the time. And talking to me about it, he's obviously, I don't know how, I can't remember because we recorded this podcast a couple of weeks ago now, but I can't remember how much detail we went into when it came to him and I looking at that that island in Indonesia to build a surf camp on. Did we talk about that in this thing? We, we did a little bit. And the thing I, my, the takeaway I remember um, maybe the most is that uh, poor Sean Murphy has taken a lot of your phone calls yeah. <laughs> over the years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With no real fruition. And you know how many people he's done that for? Yeah. Probably more than just me, but. That's what's so rad, though. He clearly loves what he does. He loves surf travel, not just for himself, but like cluing in other people on where to go and, hey, go check this place out. Here's how you get there. Especially Here's other accountants. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, thanks for listening to me for all these years. And uh, wow, I can't wait to actually go back and listen to this podcast. Like I said, I haven't listened to it in a couple of weeks. I've recorded it in a couple of weeks. And I do listen to these before I push them out. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to be on the road for six weeks or so here. So we'll be in the uh, family truckster. Yeah, man. Uh, did I tell you what happened to the Tesla? No, they had like the charging issue, right? The charging issue on my car was fixed. Okay. So we have two Tesla. We went early on the Teslas in the Miller family. And so uh, Morgan has a Model Y. And we bought this full self-drive whatever. And it doesn't work that well. It's like, it's kind of, uh, what, you know, it's in the beta. It says all over it. This thing sucks right now. We're working on it. It's <laughs> They put it in front of you. You know, it's not like they're hiding it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're like, this is going to be good someday. But like, this is what we're trying well, just before we go on this six-week road trip, uh, we find out that when we put it in either cruise control, enhanced autopilot, or full self-drive, the windshield wipers turn on, and there's no way to turn them off. <laughs> and there's a glitch, like it's online or whatever, and I dropped the car off yesterday at the, at the Tesla service center, and I'm like, hey, dude, what's, the, what's going on with the, the windshield wiper thingy? And he goes, yeah, it's a firmware issue. And I okay, go, okay, well, I got to update every week. I assume they're working on this. I'm about to take the car for a six-week road trip. Across the United States. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I can't have that because I need cruise control if I'm going to do that. And so we tried it this morning. We're looking for every update available out there. We have it on the advanced update to see if we can download, like, whatever the most recent one is. And uh, there's nothing. So we are officially not taking... The Tesla on a six-week road trip. We're let, we're borrowing my dad's car. Oh, nice. Yeah, which is crazy. I don't know. I was really looking forward to it, but whatever. I'm a sad Tesla owner at this point. But all right. Any more? Any more about Elon? And we'll uh, bore the shit out of people. So, <laughs> what else we got? Oh, uh, no. We just uh, stoked to chat with Sean and uh, stoked that he took the time to talk to us as he's done for so many people over the years and. Um, Thankful also to our sponsors, of course. Yeah, we have a few. Uh, Surfing's Evolution and Preservation Foundation. We have Monster Energy, Globe, Rourke, Yeti, Sunbum. These folks make the festival happen. So if you're wondering... Josh Wagner, a lawyer dude. Yeah, exactly. If you're wondering what your ticket price would be if we didn't have those folks, let me just tell you, I don't know if we'd be able to get there. Nobody'd be coming. No. <laughs> so with all, with all their help, they make it possible. And uh, we want to continue this. So uh, share the podcast with whoever you uh, want to. Feel free to subscribe if you can. And uh, yeah, just tell us what you think too. Info at floridasurffilmfestival.com for your feedback and emails. Uh, yeah, you got anything else, Johnny? No, just uh, only send nice things. Let's, I don't, don't want to hear your complaints. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me send it off with the good old John Brooks you. You. There we go. That's way. That's, that's the best one. I tried to do it on the Richie Fitzgerald one. It was terrible. <laughs>